What's up, you guys? This is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. And today is Monday, May 15th, 2017, which happens to be my birthday. So this is my birthday podcast. I think this is the first time I have ever recorded a podcast on my birthday. I have done sort of like year roundups, like what I know now that I'm this, but um, this is the first time I'm ever recording on the morning of my podcast. It is 5.33 a.m. So if you notice that my voice, usually if you listen to my podcast over the years, my voice tends to be mellow in the mornings because I'm just getting up, but I do have my coffee and I'm pretty sure once I get through this, I will be revved up. Um, my birthday sort of snuck up on me this year. I really do feel like, can I just push you back two weeks? You know, it's like, dang, I looked up and people started texting me happy birthday, like last week. And I'm like, Oh, no, no, it hasn't happened yet. You know, so um, this has been a year I usually make these trips, or I usually have some sort of plan. And I can be honest with you this morning, your girl has no plan. I actually have a meeting with my team at 9am because that has to happen because we have missed it with me traveling. So um, this is uh, one of my first years, probably in a long time, where I'm kind of just like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I might go buy myself something nice. But other than that, I haven't done anything, you guys. Um, and I have no plans, but that's okay. Before I get into sort of my my life lessons, what I know now that I'm 38, which I think you're going to be into because I was like, wow, my league, look at you, little Miss Reflective. Um, I think you'll dig it. Before I get into it, I want to tell you, our sponsor, FreshBooks, makes really, really easy to use cloud accounting software that helps entrepreneurs like us deal with all of the paperwork we don't have time to deal with. And by paperwork, I mean things like formatting and sending invoices, making sure you get paid on time, and keeping track of receipts and staying organized for tax season. We just finished tax season, and let me tell you. Um, I actually used FreshBooks several years ago, and looking at it now, I can see how it has evolved so much. They've definitely turned a good thing into a great thing. So um, you can invoice in 30 seconds, your clients can pay online, and FreshBooks can even show you whether or not the client has looked at the invoice you've emailed, which is helpful when you're circling back on a payment, you know? It takes the, oh, I didn't get it out of the equation. Um, when you try when you try it, you're going to be psyched when you see how easy FreshBooks has made it to deal with your day-to-day admin. The thing is, there's so many great features um, that I want to mention that I don't know that there this podcast is long enough because it is just that amazing. So, uh, FreshBooks is offering all of my listeners a free 30-day trial, no credit card needed to claim it. Just go on to FreshBooks, F-R-E-S-H. B-O-O-K-S dot com and you're gonna do backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. Um that's freshbooks.com backslash my taught you. So let me get my coffee going <clears throat> and then I'm going to tell you guys about how I'm feeling um on the morning of my birthday. All right. Um if you have my this is my year journal. There are three journals. <clears throat> there are three journals in my store right now. And that journal, um, I talk about how your year, your quote unquote year can begin anytime you want it to. You just have to pick the date. 
Um, I personally enjoy reflecting on my life deeply at two periods. Um, I love that sort of last week of December, right before you go into the new year and my birthday, you know, a couple of days before my birthday, I like to really sit down and write down, um, what I feel like the year taught me, um, what, how I may have grown in a year, because what happens is that if we don't do that, one of two things happens. We either, you know, life just sort of passes by and we're feeling like the same person or we don't give ourselves enough kudos for what we managed to accomplish in a year because it maybe it didn't look like anything on Instagram or maybe it didn't look like anything to your family and friends. But maybe if you stopped one really bad habit, you know what I'm saying? Like that you have been trying to stop for years or maybe if all of the years of working on something finally came to fruition. Um, it's really important, I think, to sort of acknowledge your growth um, annually and annually can happen at any time. It doesn't have to be the new year. It doesn't even have to be your birthday. It could just be you revisiting the day that you stopped a habit and every year going back to that day and looking at your life. So this is my personal new year reflection Um, first things first, one thing that I always have fun doing is researching the symbolism in the year that's coming for me. So I turned 38 today. And what does that mean? And so this, the number three will apply to anybody in their thirties right now. The number three, and it gives people in their twenties something to look forward to. And maybe if you're in your forties, you can reflect back on your thirties, but the number three relates to the vibrations of inspiration and creativity, self-expression and communication, growth, expansion, and the principles of increase, spontaneity, and encouragement, um, and assistance in manifesting your desires. Um, So that is the wave that we are on for the decade of the three. The number eight um, adds its energies of successfully manifesting wealth and abundance. I'm going to claim that. Uh, Self-confidence and dependability, truth and integrity, inner wisdom, self-reliance and achieving success, karma and the universal spiritual law of karma, the attributes and energies of those two numbers combined makes 38 a number of, drumroll please, optimism and joy, coupled with expansion, courage, material abundance, and reality. Um, Relationships is also huge. Relationships, teamwork, companionship, coexistence. These are all aspects of the number 38, as are intuition, spirituality, charisma, creative self-expression, tolerance. So 38 has many different aspects imbued within its essence, um, but the overriding one is relationships in whatever form they may be, right? So that's all wonderful. And I have every year I do it, um, the symbolism attached to the number that I am turning, you know, does it really mean this? I don't know, you guys, but do I have fun doing it? Yes, I do. Um, And for whatever it's worth, you know, numerology, or I think it's like angel numbers. um, It's just nice uh, to look at it. So relationships, um, is the overriding sort of theme of this year, which I thought was interesting 
Um, 38 tends to be efficient and it's likely to be balanced and a realist. So um, I made a list, you guys, of four points. I was trying to do five, but five felt like I was like, five felt like I was pushing it. You know, what is it? Forcing it. And I was like, my lady, don't force it. If you just have four points this year, you have four really strong points. So point number one, what became important to me in the year of 37 to 38 and I really figured out defining and living my version of family right um I spent a lot of years comparing my family life to others I did even though I've done podcasts with you guys where I talk about comparison is the thief of joy you know how sometimes you just can't help it right it's like I tried and I'm living my best life, y'all. And, you know, I'm self-aware and I'm going places alone and I am, you know, creating my joy and all of that. But sometimes I would look around and I would see different people sort of like family structure and setup, And I would get a little, not even a little, occasionally, mostly jealous. Um, I looked at people's parents and wondered why mine weren't like that. You know, why didn't I? I've mentioned that I am estranged from my brother. Like, why didn't I have, you know, people who have siblings um, that they are so very close to, I would just be like, man, how come I didn't get that? You know, even my, you know, my mom, she's close with her siblings. And I just would be like, you know, I feel like I was like living on this island without any sort of like really deep family connections, you know, beyond my parents. Um, and even that at times felt fractured when they're divorced. Right. Um but I felt like, oh, my God, I don't have these like family connections that are going to go into the quote unquote family album. You know, I, I've never been to a family reunion. Um, there's not many sort of familial gatherings that I've attended, uh, you know, around maybe accomplishments, you know, cousin so and so graduated, these sorts of things. It kind of just seems like everyone did their own thing. Um, and I won't say that I was deeply bothered by it, but I definitely was concerned, you know, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have this sort of like island style of living. Um, it finally hit me this year, y'all finally hit me. This was probably around maybe around October. Um, after years and years of therapy, y'all know I, I try to give credit where credit is due. Um, it finally hit me. You can do your family however you want to do it. So this year I had the idea of inviting my parents. My parents have been divorced since I was about 18 till 20 years. Uh, I think they were married 18 years and they were divorced 20 years. So, um, Maybe it was longer. I'm sure somebody will correct me, but they have definitely been divorced for 20 years. So I said, you know, I want to spend Christmas with my family, which are my parents who I love. And I know usually I go to my mom's, you know, then I go to my dad's or my mom comes for a week and then my dad comes for a week. And I said, I told my therapist around October, you know what? I'm inviting my parents. I bought this house. You know, there's room for everybody. And I felt like this house needed, you know, family in it. So I called my dad first and even my therapist like raised her brow and was like, hmm, you know, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. So um, I called my dad first and I told him the idea. Hey, dad, 
I want to host Christmas this year. I wanted to invite you and said, boo, um, out for the holiday. And my dad's like, yeah, you know, he's retired now. I can do whatever I want. Definitely. I called my mom. She said yes. And so, um, I spent Christmas with, um, my parents. And so I love my parents and over the year, I just have gotten tired of dividing my time. You know, it's like, I'm so busy. And then it it just, I felt like, I just always felt like something was missing from those holidays that are split. So, um, and a lot of my best, you know, the few holiday memories that I have, um, were with them. So they both agreed. Um, and they both called, both of my parents called me after and said how great of a time they had. My mom ended up coming solo. Um, and my dad brought his boo and my mom and my dad's boo found out that they went to the same junior high and high school at the same year, uh, and spent Christmas morning squealing like schoolgirls over mimosas. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe, did you know this person? Did you know that person? Um, I caught up with my dad in the living room. We had all of us, we had sort of like family meals together. You know, we went out to dinner together. Um, and my significant other sat in the back room while everybody sort of like caught up and he did the family time. He was probably streaming hockey. I don't know. And life was just great. And I said, this is my life and this is my family on my terms. And so, um, I was really pleased after two decades of sort of, of sort of like fractured holidays to finally have, um, a holiday exactly how I wanted it to happen exactly, you know, in the way that made me feel that sort of like nostalgia as a young girl. And in that moment, I no longer sort of like felt the need to compare, you know, what other families may may have been doing because I had created my own memories and I got to open gifts with my mom and my dad on Christmas morning. Um, and that was priceless, you know? Um, I think the last few years, just because I didn't want to split the time, I went out of the country. I went to Mexico. Um, I think, yeah, I think I did Christmas in Mexico the year prior, um, something like that, but yes, I did. So that was my sort of like revelation over the year, getting the guts and the courage to say, we're going to do it my way y'all or else. And everybody enjoyed it. So that was awesome. Next thing that I learned was that you create compatibility in a relationship. So you can meet somebody with lots of great qualities that you love to check off your list, handsome, college graduate, right height, right weight, great on paper, great in bed, whatever you want to call it. Um, But if two pieces of a puzzle just do not click up, you know, I have learned my leak, girl, you need to just let it go. Um, Just be just because someone is great doesn't make them great for you. And I have said that over the years, but I feel like I really got it in this last sort of year. Um, The biggest question that my significant other and I get when people first meet us is as a couple is how did you guys meet? You know, I think people um are consumed with how we met uh and if I was going to take an educated guess of why people were so curious I would say it's likely because on the surface we don't really appear to be a match like we don't look like a match why is that 
Um, and not that uh, interracial couples don't look like matches, but he's white, I'm black. He's sort of artsy, quirky, and carefree. Like he's not, he's not sort of, he's very artsy, quirky, and carefree in his spirit, in his attitude, in his clothes, um, you know, like crazy socks, rolled up pants, like mint green sneakers, like that sort of deal. And I am probably a bit more serious, um, polished, if you will. I mean, I'm polished in like presentation um, and just definitely focused. Uh, he's been vegetarian for 23 years. It's like, give me my beef raw. I love me some uh, beef tartare. Uh, he spent his life working in nonprofits, uh, which is just a much different mindset of someone who is sort of like about as profit as it gets in terms of entrepreneurship and business. So you get it. So if you, if you had to look on the surface, you would say, Oh my goodness, like two totally different people. Like how did y'all meet? Um, and so I started to do some research on sort of like compatibility and what it means and what it doesn't mean, because I sort of felt like it doesn't really boil down to quote unquote common interests or, or any of that stuff. Um, and so I found found two things I'm going to share with you. It says compatibility does not hinge on some personal inventory of traits. Compatibility isn't something you have. It's something you make. It's a process, one that you negotiate as you go along again and again. It is a disposition, an attitude, a willingness to work. And so I found that uh, psychology today, which is one of my favorite resources, um, and another psychologist said, I think you can have an even more fulfilling relationship if you respect each other's worlds, which is what I'm saying is that like I we operate in completely different worlds. But if you can respect each other's worlds and learn a little bit from each other, um, they said, I always think of the phrase you met your match. Uh, you really do want someone who challenges, inspires with you. So that's what I was saying. I believe that compatibility is something that you create by respecting the other person's world. Um, and the final thing that I, I think was really important in creating compatibility is do we do you sufficiently satisfy each other's needs for attention? You know, that's really all it comes down to um, when I need you to be there. However, I need you to be there. Are you there? Um, that might be showing up to a work event that might be celebrating every win. One one person's needs are never the others. Right. So look to give what they need versus what you want to give them. And I think that was a huge life lesson for me is like stop trying to support people in the way that I want to be supported and support people in the way that they need to be supported and to make the other person aware of what you need to feel supported, right? So it's like, um, I feel like for my significant other showing up for some of his work events because he works in the art world as a curator, I feel like showing up and making sure that I see these shows or sometimes when I'm ultra busy, I will go see them before they open, you know, so it's like get a little sneak peek, but it's like some people need you to support them where I personally don't need any support in my workspace, you know, but maybe it's just an acknowledgement of a win. Maybe if I do something really huge, there's just like a flower sitting at home. So something like that, that was the big life lesson of just like really making an effort to give that person the attention how and where they need it and creating compatibility being open um being okay 
with sparring and being challenged and learning. So that is that. Um, and why I think getting, getting a hold and a grasp on relationships was really important to me because that's what, that was one of the things that I went to therapy for. I told my therapist, you know, I want to deal with the stuff in my past. And I also want to deal with how that is impacting and affecting my inability, not my ability, my inability to relate. And I, and when I say my inability to relate, I mean my inability to function inside of a relationship. Like I realized I just can't do this. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, it was like, I can't do this number one because I'm picking the wrong people. Like, let's start there. Like I am not, you know, and I used to think, oh my God, I just attract the wrong people. It's like, no, my league, you're not attracting nobody. You are hand selecting clowns, honey, because you know, of, of the past and just basically creating my own little circus. So I did, I did go to that, but I did want to learn how to be successful in that. And so I was reading, um, this is random, but I just wanted to share this cause I made a note. I was reading, uh, the current issue of GQ, with um, Brad Pitt on the cover and by reading it I mean they have the article all in mind and it's talking about sort of like Brad Pitt's divorce from Angie Angelina Jolie and sort of like where he is in his life right now he is 53 and looking good by the way but he said um, people on their deathbeds don't talk about what they obtained they talk about their loved ones or their regrets that seems to be the menu And I do believe that to be true. And I think that um, I am very sort of business oriented. I have talked y'all to death about how to get your hustle on, um, how to be bombing business. Um, And I think that like at the sort of like height of my success, it was sort of like glaring, you know, it's just like this glaring thing of like, oh my God, this really is not going to be a ton of fun alone. You know, it's like, there's nothing like, you know, having this a really awesome house that you've decorated to the T and then sit in it by yourself. You know, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like loneliness is not a thing, you know, am I tough and do I like myself and will I do what I have to do? Absolutely. But it was sort of like pointing out to me like, girl, you know, how many trips, how many lovely sort of romantic trips are you going to go on by yourself? And so, you know, I really wanted to, to get better at it. And I really wanted to make um, my love life a priority. And I think by picking correctly, um, picking someone that is like a work comes first person, my love life can be a priority without sacrificing my sort of hunger and drive. And so, um, and then just sort of wrapping your mind around to love without ownership means expecting nothing in return. You know, it's sort of that, that's like, it's like the freest, it's like the freest way you can like love, right? It's like, I don't own anybody. Um, you can, the door is open, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's it's such a, such a free thing. But anywho, that's my sort of sideways rant. Uh, let's get into number three. Number three was really sort of like my life highlight, y'all. Um, excuse me. Um, number three was like, it was just like, you, you know, it's like, what was the biggest lesson? Number three was 
the biggest lesson. And it was, I can say no. I can say no to nice things if they are not aligned with my life goals, right? What the hell does that mean? I'm tell you. Um, things cross my inbox every day. And I think, oh my God, that is so nice. I can never say no to that because that is just so thoughtful or that is just so amazing or no one has ever invited me to do that. Um, invites out of town, invites out of town with pay to appear, sometimes to speak, sometimes not to speak, you know, invites for my address to send me free things. I mean, y'all don't even know how much free stuff I have gotten. Um, invites to amazing free meals, invites to incredible opportunities for great pay. And I started saying yes to all of these things. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And guess what happened? I was tired as I don't know what. In the last year, I was so tired. Last year, last year, towards the end of the year, I'm sitting in the fall. I'm sitting in my hotel room in Washington, D.C., literally dying. I'm not even kidding. I sat on the edge of the bed, heart racing, mind just crowded. I got up and I paced and I even considered calling 911. Like, I don't want to scare y'all, but, and I didn't want to scare anybody at the time. But I remember um, the only person that I sort of like just blurted this out to was Renee Blewett of In Her Shoe. She emailed me and asked me to do something in the middle of this sort of meltdown. And I pretty much like lost it. Like I cannot do another thing. Please, nobody ask me to do anything else. I am about to go check myself into a hospital because I am losing it. Um, my mind was so fucked up. Um, I called my significant other and I kept telling him that I was nervous. And he was like, you have nothing to be nervous about. And I just, I just started screaming. Don't tell me what I have to be nervous about. You don't understand. And I just hung up. I lost it you guys and at that point I had hopped off often on planes every few days checking in and out of hotel rooms cars driving me here and there I had to do things for my actual job and then I was fulfilling satisfying all of these wonderful invites um that night I was afraid to go to sleep Uh, because I was afraid I was going to die. I'm not kidding. That's where my mind was. I experienced that sort of exhaustion that everybody talks about that, you know, running down the street naked kind of exhaustion that ranting out publicly exhaustion that like somebody needs to like pump me with fluids exhaustion. I, you literally can lose your mind in this. Um, So I finally fell asleep that night and I woke up the next morning and I completed my obligation. And at that at that day, that was like the scariest night of my life. Y'all, I was trying to do yoga, something. I was so afraid. I was I had lost it and I completed my obligation and I vowed to myself that no would be coming out of my mouth moving forward. I want to do these things. I swear that I do, but I physically cannot do all of these things. Um, now, because, you know, let's just now add insult to injury, right? I, I realized this and Noah's going to be on the menu. And the next week, 
I was, we had already had a week long vacation plan. This is supposed to be, it was, you know, a break. So the next week, um, I sat on the already planned week long fall vacation slash road trip. Um, and we had, we were about two days into what was supposed to be this break. I'm sitting at our 9 p.m. dinner reservation at a James Beard Award winning restaurant. And after we place our order, I just start sobbing at the table, y'all. Like in the most like WTF kind of way, I start sobbing. And my man looks over at me like nervously and was like, oh, like, what is wrong with you? And through the crocodile, crocodile tears, I just mumbled. I'm tired. So he offered to leave and I said, let's finish because I was hungry. But he said to me, he was like, we're going to finish this meal and we're going to go back to the hotel. You are going to go to bed and you are not getting out of the bed before 11 a.m. I'm not letting you out. And he didn't. And I like I woke up at like five. I woke up at six. And I figured by eight o'clock he'd be over it. But he was like, nope, lay there. You go into the bathroom, come back, get in bed. And I kept falling asleep and it was the best thing that could have happened for me that morning and that was one of the kindest things he'd done for me so I went into 2017 the latter part of 37 saying no people asked me to do some really cool things but I said no I dedicated 90 days no travel no speaking engagements no interviews no favors, no nothing. And because I was saying no to everyone, I didn't feel like I was just being selective. The no's were for everyone. And it felt so good. You know, I think my biggest thing is like falling off. And people ask me about that all the time. It's like, oh my God, I have to chase every dollar, every dime, every opportunity because I don't want to fall off. And it's like, you aren't going to fall off by miss, missing things with your nose, but you sure as hell will fall off if you let things and people drag you into the ground. You know, I fell off because I was exhausted, not because of anything else. And so that was sort of my biggest lesson learned is that if someone is if someone is upset with me because I have chosen to be kind to myself then that's probably not a relationship that I needed anyway right like I should just be able to say and a lot of people that I have said no to I told them why like I overcommitted last year I did because what would happen would be what is it it's May May 15th it's my birthday uh it's May so somebody would call me today and invite me to do something in December, I look at my calendar calendar right now in December, and it's empty. You know, there's nothing on it. There's a few sort of things that all that I always have to do, but that's kind of like not the way my life works. It's like things fill up probably like ninety days out, and so I was having all of this pre stuff on there. Then, you know, 90 days out, all of my work stuff is going on there. Then you add your real life stuff on there. And that is a recipe for disaster, which is how I ran my life last year. So that was my biggest lesson. It's like, you don't have to show up to every opening, like, you know, of every opening of everything and do everything 
um, at the expense of yourself. And so um, I'm definitely about to get back on the grind. Like I'm going to, I need to go to New York this week. Like I definitely am going to do my thing, but I had to put some, some space uh, in between myself and that, and just being kinder to myself and just being super gracious. And that even went for like the free stuff, y'all. Like a lot of people ask me for my address. Some people find it and they send things, but I was just like, you know, a lot of times people will want to send me a t-shirt. And one of my sort of like life pet peeves are like the free t-shirt thing because I have lived in a house full of free t-shirts. You know, it'll happen. You go to a basketball game, you get a free t-shirt, go somewhere. And then you look, you've got a drawer of t-shirts and it's like, where are you wearing these t-shirts to? Like, where are you wearing them to? Probably nowhere. You know, maybe you wear them to bed, but then it's like, you know, I want to wear my pajamas. I started buying nice pajamas. I want to wear my pajamas to bed and then to the gym. You know, I like my, I have to have like my arms out. So I'm like more of a tank top person at the gym. So when people have asked me, can they send me t-shirts? I just tell them, thank you so much for thinking of me. But, you know, I don't want to waste your t-shirt, y'all. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. But please, I, you don't have to send it to me. <laughs> thank you. And the same thing for other things, you know, it's just like, I know that people, sometimes it can be perceived as sort of like, just take it, my leak. But I was doing that and I was also getting cluttered, um, just bombarded with things where um, you can just say thank you to me. And that was one of my big lessons, too, is like not feeling the need to sort of like buy appreciation or buy thanks or gratitude, like just tell somebody thank you. And that is just as effective. And so telling me thank you, sending me a quick note, shooting me a tweet that has just as much weight as it does to like get me something so that is that was the huge like no is pretty much just saying no across the board and like sort of protecting protecting my sanity um number four which is my last one sip of coffee um is I noticed myself feeling this real distance from material things um, I just, y'all, I don't really, I'm over it. Um, I genuinely think you have to like waste money on shit. Like you just got to waste money to realize that you never really wanted it in the first place. Um, you wanted the sort of like admiration or attention of others by having insert nice fancy thing, right? Oh my gosh, she has this, that's so cute. Um, I no longer care what people think about what I have or don't have. Um, for the last like several years in the beginning, I, I used to talk about how uncomfortable I became with financial success. People thinking you're broke comes with the same amount of judgment and drama as people thinking you're quote unquote rich. You know what I mean? Like, it's just ridiculous. It's so mind blowing how consumed people get with like somebody being broke and somebody being rich. Um, some, I was like on Instagram, I posted a picture 
I posted a picture and this girl was like, we get it. You are rich. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, how do you know I'm staying here? How do you know this is mine? Like, how do you know I'm not just admiring this, you know, or people see you with something and it's like, how do you know this wasn't a gift? How do you know, like, you just don't freaking know, you know, and people, it just is annoying. And I just decided to remove myself from that thing. And so, uh, the other day, this is, y'all you know, know me, random story time yesterday, two days ago, I'm buying $11 worth of stuff at the grocery store. One, one, $11. I got a magazine, some gum and some greeting cards. Um, because I was doing way too much at the register, I was on my phone, I was listening to a podcast, I'm just carrying on, I accidentally pulled out my credit card too fast. And only for the context of this story, I will tell you that it was a, it was a platinum Amex that doesn't have a limit on it. And the lady whispered to me, ma'am, I'm so sorry that your your card has declined. And I'm like, because I got the podcast in my ear, I'm like, what? And she like says it again. And it's like, you know, I basically was like, it didn't decline, you know, almost she was, she was basically like, she was basically like, get out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Like your cards decline. I'm going to need you. Like, I'm not going to embarrass you in front of everybody, but I'm going to need you to step to the side so I can finish ringing up folks groceries. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I took my card out too fast. Y'all know these little goofy keypad things. It's like, put it in, take it out, swipe it, don't swipe it, insert the chip. So much going on. Um, but that feeling of I felt like you know how I may have felt like back in the day when maybe I didn't have any any money um and like maybe what if my card had declined and sort of that like that projection of like brokenness like on me um and you just I thought to myself you have to reject that because I felt it in that moment with $11 I definitely had $11 um but that feeling of like projecting people projecting these feelings of like brokenness or or you have or you don't have onto you and it's like whether I had the money or not I should not ever own those feelings of shame and embarrassment because they are not mine you know they are this woman's feelings like I know you're embarrassed so let me whisper or let me chew you or whatever and it's like honey that is not that's not mine to have so I am at a point where people's feelings of you know maybe envy or jealousy of what they think I have that's not mine to have and I don't have to do anything to make anybody feel better about that nor are people's feelings about me being broke and not having and just as a young black woman everybody assumes we don't have right like every time I go somewhere and it's like let me direct you to the cheaper things let me direct you to the budget aisle let me show you to the clearance rack this is not the store for you and it's like I used to get so worked up over that and it's like you know what I'm no longer owning people's crap about what they think I have or don't have I am going to do me and don't get me wrong I like nice things. I take nice trips, but I can assure you that on today, all of the stuff or anything that I do is purely for me and it's not a stunt for you or anybody. I don't own Chanel bags. I think I have one Louis Vuitton purse that I like. And it's mostly, I got that because it's a Kusama collective collectible and I just like it, but I don't, I'm not doing all of that. I'm not, I still, I like Zara from time to time. I like, I like high, low, medium, you know, and that's just where I'm living. So I'm no longer, lo, no longer 
owning other people's feelings about what I have or don't have. So that is sort of like what I know now that I am 38. And I will tell you that like this has been such a wild and crazy life journey. And if I had to have sort of a conversation with myself, let's just say a decade ago at 28 years old when I was working in LA and really at the sort of like end of my rope in terms of like my joy and happiness and feeling like I was running myself into the ground and what does my life really mean? What does it stand for? Um, you know, I would, I, I just think that the courage, you know, and maybe that was a decade ago, that eight, when we talked about like sort of, uh, the numerology or like the, the eight, the number eight, it was just like, I don't know where I got this courage from, but I was just like, I'm ending this. Like I am ending sort of like this life suffering of doing things that don't make me happy. And I quit my job, you guys, with just only $7,000 saved, which black Twitter drugged me for that because I was like, I moved to Atlanta with seven grand. I like, you know, I was like, my bad. I didn't realize that that was a lot, but that was a lot to some, but I think it was more because I had saved that seven grand making $26,000 a year through like my twenties. And so, but I also didn't realize that you can blow through seven grand with a move, you know, in terms of like shipping things. And by the time you do a deposit or, you know, all the things you have to get in a new city and the money was gone within like a couple months. So having the courage to make a decision in my life that I was going to be the true captain of my ship and I was going to pick up, you know, put in my 30 day notice in my apartment, pack up and just leave Inglewood because I no longer wanted to be there. I remember there was this McDonald's on the corner over by where I lived people for people from Inglewood. It's that it's that McDonald's that was uh, across from the, the racetrack. And I pull up my car to get gas. And this lady just like this girl just cusses me out like, at the gas station and I just was like I don't want to be in this anymore I don't want to be in a neighborhood where people are just unhappy and for whatever reason they are unhappy hell I just I don't want to be here and I don't want to have a job or work in any capacity that literally robs my joy um you know will work be challenging and difficult yeah and heck it's really it's hard for me right now I'm thinking about things that I need to do but not in a way that just sort of like sucked and drained me dry and so 28 years old I got the courage and I like set off on a mission to just dip like I'm out and 29 I left Los Angeles I moved to Atlanta um, close to a decade ago and a lot of my friends back home, you know, like, what are you going to do? You know, people, you know, almost in a like you could fall off sort of deal. But I just had to separate myself from that and say, I cannot be trying to sculpt my life based on the thoughts and opinions of others. I need to find my path, my happiness. And I can tell you that it was easily one of the best decisions that I have ever made. 
Um, was it difficult? Yes. Would I do it all over again? Yes. And so it's like to be able to sit you guys in my own home at this custom marble table that I had made that I, a decade ago, I couldn't have even rubbed two nickels together. Um, it's just mind blowing. And so if I had to give any sort of like bit of advice, no matter where you are in your life today, I would say to really work to strengthen and sharpen your mind um, to to be the most encouraging person that you can be to yourself, to get up daily and encourage yourself and then push yourself and work hard with discipline and if you feel yourself getting unfocused do what I just did and make that list because I felt myself getting unfocused which is why I had to start implementing the nose and be kind be kind to yourself people I can assure you that there will be enough people to drag you down that you do not need to get on the drag you down bandwagon so be your own biggest cheerleader work on your mental strength daily, positive thoughts, positive thoughts. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody is doing. I don't care who says it can't be done. I'm on a positive thought. Like I am all about positivity. So that is what I would say to you. Um, today is my birthday. I'm going to do nothing. Uh, I always appreciate and thank you. Um, sometimes I go out to events. Like I went out to the Blavity, the 2190 with event. Is it 2190? I think it is with Morgan, uh, the founder of Blavity. And I get to meet you guys. And it's so amazing. Like I, I so look forward to seeing you guys because I love talking to you. I love hearing your stories. And um, if you know this or not, uh, I spent a lot of my, my childhood feeling special but feeling sort of like overlooked right I would always be like nobody cares nobody cares about me I would say that I'm not even gonna kid you guys all through my 20s my friend Ken will tell you I would be like nobody cares about me and to you know people didn't show up to my things or anything like you know you do something big and nobody shows up and so to do these things and for you guys to show up the way that you do it really just blows my mind and it just sort of like karmically removes my bs about nobody caring because you care you care enough to not do something else and you care enough to come see me and say hello so thank you to everyone whoever comes um and hollers at me because it means the world to me like I don't ever want you to feel that some people are like oh I know you tired but I'm like honey I'm not tired like I don't get tired of this um so thank you thank you thank you uh that makes you make my day you make my year uh you make you make waking up at five o'clock and recording these podcasts worth it <clears throat> thank you so <clears throat> I'm so sorry you guys so, as soon as I get towards the end here goes my throat um I'm gonna answer the, the the last question that actually came through my email inbox from a young lady who says hi my leak I love your personality and your podcast thank you ma'am I am trying to work myself up to be as blunt as I think you are in my head I am not too shy but extremely reserved Sometimes in situations like the one I'm in, I ask myself, what would my leak do? 
I'm currently having an issue of passive aggression in my workplace. I'm fairly young, 26, the youngest of all my coworkers. My salary is not ridiculously high, 60K, but it's pretty good for me as a currently single, no kid having, still living with my parents in New York City, young woman. I also have two other steady sources of income, Army Reserves and Freelance, which help out tremendously. So I don't find myself worrying about money like at all. To be honest, I love my job a lot. Three exclamation marks. I've been there about three months now. To be honest, I like nice things, LOL. I always have. I'm very reserved and I'm not flashy at all, but I do like name brands and I do like to eat nice places every day on my lunch break. I work out at a pretty high-end gym close to my job in Manhattan. I get a military discount. I can afford these things. It's not hurting me. And I still have a nice savings plan and account. I work very hard to get where I am and I believe I'll be going even further very soon in life. My problem is my coworkers notice all these things and tend to make comments and call me things like money bags and say things like, oh, she got money when I go and buy certain food sometimes on my lunch break. Sometimes they will even ask me like how much did my handbag cost or things like that. I do not think they mean any harm and are very nice otherwise. But honestly, I find this all to be extremely humiliating to the point where I have stopped wearing my favorite items and started bringing in lunch sometimes like everyone else or going to the cheap places, even though I don't want to because I am so embarrassed when so much attention is on me. I spoke with my friend and she says I'm being ridiculous and I need to stop caring so much what people think. I agree and I am ashamed, but it's hard for me to deal with the spotlight at a place like work. Do you think I should let these things go and ignore it? Should I say something? I don't want to be approved or lose my friends in my workplace. Please help and let me know what you would do. I'm sorry that this is so long. I hope you read it. Of course, I'm going to read it, girl. And thank you so much. You are the best. You are the best. Thank you. So um, I'm glad you asked this because remember a couple of questions ago, I said I'm no longer owning people's opinions, right? I'm no longer owning people's sort of like opinions of what I have or don't have. I think that no matter where you are, no matter where you are on the financial spectrum, people always feel the need to be in your damn purse, right? It's like, why does this bother you so much? But um, so what would I say? Nothing. What would I do? Me? Uh, That's what needs to happen. You know, it's all you have to do is just continue to do you and you don't owe anybody any sort of answer or you don't owe them any anything you know it's like if they want to call you money bags I'm call you money bags they were they're going to call you something because people seem to be overly consumed with somebody has or don't have but what would my leak do like from a personal standpoint like if you were my girl and and you're 26 and I am now a full decade and some change older than you what advice would I give you Um, I would say that, you know, 60K in New York after taxes for a single woman, the take home on that is $44,143.45. I did the research. So you are, this is not your, not adding your freelance gigs or your army reserves, but that is the salary of what you're making. And that is probably the salary of the people at work too. And so $44,000 uh, in New York city is probably after taxes is not enough to be sort of like eating out and eating expensive things and buying whatever these fancy handbags are. Um, so it's probably pretty tough for some other people. And if you can wrap your mind around it, 
Um, it is, it is something that you need to think about too. So I'm less concerned about what other people think about you. And I'm more concerned with how you feel about you. Because remember I was saying sometimes we do things like, you know, I realized after a long ass time that I was doing things because I wanted the admiration for having something, or I wanted to be noticed for having something. Um, and so wanting something, wanting people to feel something about you and you're not getting the response that you are may or may not be seeking, right? So you may be wanting for people to be like, oh, she's balling or oh, she's accomplished or oh, she's focused or oh, you know, she handles her money well or whatever it is. Otherwise, you really wouldn't care. So it's like when you want people to feel a certain way and they're not feeling that, it's like, okay, let me write my leak email. So I would say it's time for you to start breaking some of those I like nice things habits until I think you can truly afford them. Um, Because once you get out in the real world, paying rent, um, I think you're going to have an abrupt adjustment. You know, it's easy to ball out when you ain't got to pay rent in New York. You know what I mean? Um, And maybe your parents are making you pay rent. I could be wrong, but I got the feeling of like, I still live at home. So I don't have to pay anything, but you want to start preparing to do that, right? So you want to start fake paying rent to yourself. So whatever it is that you would pay in rent at this age, just start putting it away in a sort of savings account because when you do move out from your parents' home, you're going to need a bed, you're going to need sheets, you're going to need all these things that your parents provide you forks knives all that crap that you're going to need to do for yourself and so if you were preparing for your next life phase I don't think that you would be balling out so much right like there is nothing wrong with liking nice things I like nice things too but I think that if I had if I could just invite you to a little bit more awareness and help you sort of like do the next life phase with a bit more comfort and ease, I would tell you to do that. Like, I don't know what a nice savings is, but because you live at home, you know, if I said, you know, if you had a roommate situation and you were going to pay, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, I would be shaving that off of my, my monthly and just putting that away in something so that I was getting my pockets used to paying for room and board like you have got to get comfortable paying for a roof over your head because that is like that is the one thing that you are going to always need forever and ever so that is something that I would encourage you to do Um, the next thing is that I would say is eating out at expensive restaurants or getting quote-unquote nice food every day is just not healthy even if you are going to the fancy gym after you know it's like Unless you're getting, you're ordering some sort of like, you know, in New York, I'm pretty sure they have like all this healthy, you know, it's probably they have healthier options than they do down here in Atlanta. But from just from a standpoint of like, that's just not healthy. Like, you know, eating out every day is not good for you. So, um, you know, I hope that even if you're paying for it, you are getting some healthier options. And, you know, I think that screw what these other people are saying I just think that eating out every day is that's just not a good habit um it's just not a good habit and so I could eat out every day for lunch if I wanted to but I don't I would tell you I probably eat out I probably eat out for lunch maybe once or twice a month (laughs) and I'm not even kidding you 
Um, I bring my food. I either bring my food or I go to Trader Joe's and I get a Greek salad and I usually get like their little like chicken, the, the little grilled chicken already. I get a couple salads, get grilled chicken. I get some almonds and dry cranberries and I leave that stuff at work um, for the week. And, you know, just because it's just from a health standpoint and just a financial standpoint, I don't need to be lining other people's pockets um, for sustenance. So I would encourage you for your own the sake of your health to stop doing that not because what people have to say um also you want to keep in mind these are not your friends they are your co-workers um it's great that you want to get along with them but make sure that you understand the distinction like you don't you know you want to be sharp in the workplace and you want to have allies um but these people they're not your friends you know you've been there three months um so I want you to start saving your money for you um, buying expensive lunch and having Gucci handbags isn't really a baller move. A baller move is stacking your dough so that when the moment comes when you are no longer interested or liking this job, you can leave worry free. Um, I don't need this because I stacked my dough. And so hopefully that I, I hope that you can do a little mindset shift in like less, less involved in having things you know and sort of like showing off for your co-workers but like really being able to show off and be like I don't even have to be here right like I don't even you worried about what I'm eating and what bag I'm carrying but I'm stacking I'm saving half my check um because you know I'm living at home and I'm saving you know I'm eating bringing my lunch so that I now have the money and the freedom to move around any way that I want to. So when an emergency comes up, you know, if an emergency comes up, you've got thousands of dollars saved. Um, If you want to take a trip, you've got money saved. If you want to start a business on the side, you freelance. If you want to have a better website or if you want to go to a conference, you have this the money saved. So I would encourage you to save your money not because of what other people are going to think, but because it's just the best thing for you to do. Um, anywho, that is it for me, you guys. 6.30, I am going to enjoy my birthday. Thank you all. Hope you enjoy. <laughs>